I bet you didn't know this, but your muscles are, wait for it, an endocrine gland. What the hell are you talking about? They secrete hope molecules, as well as 600 other myokines with very fancy sounding names you wouldn't understand. And this is brought on by exercise. Exercise also gives you an immune modulation and it prompts neurogenesis inside the brain, especially the hippocampus where learning and memory are stored. So why is this important? Well, wait for it. Learning is not something you do when you are seated, sedentary, and staring at a two-dimensional screen reading words. No, learning actually happens when you challenge the body, when the body can be a part of the learning process through curiosity, through play, as well as risk and challenging oneself. And this is exactly why I am interrupting what I would normally be talking about today, which is how Mork was shot down over Lake Huron. Nanu, nanu, and peace, my friend. And I'm not going to mention a thing about how the media is pitting brothers and sisters against one another through their entertainment branch of the military-industrial complex. No, we today are talking about, wait for it, muscles. You are so strong! This is an article titled, Need a Dose of Hope? Give yourself a hope boost by engaging in movement, the role of skeletal muscle as a hormone-producing organ and releaser of hope molecules. While the benefits of muscle-induced exercise are well known, little discussion is explicitly made of skeletal muscle's role in mental health and as a hormone-producing organ. Skeletal muscles secrete hundreds of signaling protein molecules, over 600 of them, called myokines, that serve as communication agents between muscles and other organs in the body, such as the brain, bone, liver, gut, vascular bed, pancreas, and skin. A 2018 study showed that completing just one hour of cycling exercise in healthy subjects generated over 300 proteins into circulation. Therefore, movement is considered an agent by which the brain can remodel itself and acknowledge one's aliveness and participation in life. Think about that last line. Exercise is the way that your brain can remodel itself and push you towards this sense of aliveness in life. This could just be a very flowery way of saying what we already knew about exercise. We knew that it was good for the brain. We knew that it was good to bring your even mental acuity back into focus. And we knew that it was good for your mental health, but we didn't know the mechanisms by it. And we didn't know that the muscles were actually the gland secreting this. The reason why I find this so important is because I did an entire series on Gaia called limitless and i was speaking about how the fascia the myofascial system which to our ancestors and anatomists of the past were just looked at as the very tough packing material around our body it's this you know rubber band substance that we need to cut away in order to get to the good stuff the organs right even the muscles were looked at a little bit more prominently than the fascia. But the muscles, for most people today, are seen as just those things that make guys, you know, pound their chest a little bit more, right? Muscles are a vanity thing. Yeah, it's, it's useful for power, but why would we need any of that in our modern day today where you can get everything just by clicking something on Amazon? right? You don't need to use your muscles anymore. In fact, your body is just a way for your head to get from sitting position to sitting position. 
obviously this is very facetious and this is not what I believe. I've known that movement is the way that you engage and plug yourself into the natural matrix around you. So the intelligence of nature is here, but the way that you gain that intelligence, one can be by sitting in seated meditation and accessing the Akash. But I don't think that's the exact same thing as moving and engaging and challenging your body by moving across rugged, natural terrain. Not like gyms. And yes, if you go and do a cycling class, you were told in this last article that over 300 molecules are secreted. But there is more than likely a science that will very soon be seen, meaning molecules that we can study, mechanisms that we will understand about things like forest bathing. When you walk through the forest, the phytochemicals themselves have antidepressant and anti-anxiety molecules in them. And when you breathe them in, we believe that, yes, some lock and key mechanism unlocks within you and you are now more open to your surroundings, just like psychedelics open the doors of perception to another realm of information. Exercise does the same, but now we know that the muscles are a key mechanism in that. Now, I said in Limitless that your body is a remote control to the core intelligence of the universe. And I've had a few people say, this is super fascinating. I wish it wasn't just allegorical, though. And I said, it's not allegorical. Just by understanding your fascia and the intelligence that your fascia has, the fact that it's fiber optic, the fact that your fascia actually has sensors within it that orient your body, not just towards gravity or density and buoyancy, but it actually orients itself in the cosmos specifically. There's an intelligence there, but your muscles are the same way. Now, I also got into how your muscle symmetry in your body is extremely beautiful. When you look at the face, you see all these intricate muscles, and it's not just a haphazard mess. It's actually very intelligent how and why your smile can either be authentic or it can be really not authentic. Even cops can tell that when you give an inauthentic smile, they're trained to be able to tell. That is them training their mirror neurons to pick up on subtle inauthenticities in the way you twitch your muscles in your face, the way that the muscles around the eyes behave when you're telling the truth as opposed to telling a lie. That is a signal through your neuromuscular and your myofascial system that gives a signal outside of yourself that's telling a deep, dark secret, maybe not a dark one, but a deeper secret from within you. And it is actually also shown that estrogen and certain other hormones cause for your skin to have more hyaluronic acid, so meaning looks younger, and also exercise improves the symmetry of your facial muscles. So the beauty of the symmetry of the body comes out with exercise. Why is this important? Is it just about looks? Is it just about vanity? No. The way you exercise and the, how should I say it? The symmetry of your musculature being more in alignment because of your exercise routines actually allows for you to exhibit more of the authenticity that is naturally inside you outside of yourself. There was this case that I remember reading about years ago where this little girl had a some kind of 
neurological issue where her face could not express emotions and all the skin sagged. It was very sad because the parents said it's very difficult to have some kind of pair bonding response with my child because her face is always giving what looks to be like a grimace. And that's quite sad, but now look at the underlying mechanism here. The parents wanted pair bonding, prolactin, things like oxytocin, these things that allow you to bond with the person in front of you. That pair bonding could not happen as easily because the face was not exhibiting a kind of symmetry, right? A kind of muscle twitch program that your face uses to send a signal to somebody else to trigger prolactin and oxytocin so pair bonding can happen. Fucking mind-blowing right there. And then to boot, to understand that when you inject something like Botox into your face, you can't emote. You can't emote. Thank you for the Botox. And what happens is because your face cannot show a smile or show a sad grimace, what happens is your body starts to produce the chemicals that align with the face, not the other way around. We always think that, oh, I just, I feel sad, so my face goes into a frown, or I feel happy, so my face goes into a smile. They're not so disconnected because if you smile in front of the mirror, it has been shown that your body will start to produce some of those hormones to make you feel better. Now, back to the original concept. Your muscles are endocrine glands. They secrete hormones, antidepressant and anti-anxiety. This is now being looked at such with such definitive evidence that this is starting to become, just within the past 10 years, an evidence-based scientific method for approaching mental health. This article goes on to read, Robust evidence has shown that exercise can be considered an evidence-based treatment for the management of depression. And the article ends with, Our bodies reward us with pleasure, joy, and hope upon movement. Our physiology nudges us to keep moving by rewarding us with beneficial molecules, peptides, and hormones that amplify elevated emotions and propel purpose, resiliency, and energy. We have an internal pharmacy within our amazing bodies, and understanding how to activate and influence these natural processes is paramount to our mental, physical, and emotional health. And again, in some of the key takeaways of this article, some myokines can cross the blood-brain barrier directly communicating and influencing the brain's activity and function. Now, I've shown you in the past that Steven Jepson from NeverLeaveThePlayground.com is in his 90s, and he can move better than most people that I know in my 20s. Interestingly enough, what he found when he was just trying to keep people past the age of 65 from falling over and breaking their hip because for some reason the numbers past the age of 65 of those who die from breaking their hip upon a fall skyrockets. So he decided I'm going to start helping them with their balance. So you've probably heard this a million times but it bears repeating again just in case some of you haven't heard it. He sits people down on a chair two buckets in front of them with bare feet. One is filled with marbles and jacks and little tiny items. He instructs the people 
to pick up these items with their toes and drop them in the empty bucket. Keep doing it over and over and over again. What this is doing is it's exercising the hip muscles, some of the stabilizers in the back, and it's mobilizing and flexing um, and in a sense stretching some of the muscles around the hips. So it's loosening up myofascial adhesions plus working the muscle systems. While that's happening, tiny tactile muscles in the toes are being used to perform these very minute tasks, like picking up these tiny objects. Over and over again, it floods the system with chemicals, and it also triggers the brain to start prompting neurogenesis again. When that gets too easy, because it's not just about doing the same thing over and over again, it's about stepping up the levels of challenge, so challenging your body. So we would get them to stand up. Now, empty the buckets with your bare toes, both oscillating between uh, legs. So you're getting both hemispheres of the body. Stand up and do it. So now you have to, with your base foot, the one that's rooting you, you have to balance your body on that side while lifting your leg up and doing the same task over and over again, adding complexity to it. Then you do it on the other side so you're balancing the body. But when they that itself gets too easy, he started placing the buckets on the chairs and having them lift their legs way high up in the air and do the same thing. So this is causing for them to even work harder on their balance, but also stretch more and work more with their muscles, really loosening up any adhesions or weakness in the musculature and the myofascial system around the spine and around the hips. This gave him a result he wasn't expecting. And that result was the wives and the husbands of these people who were doing these exercises came back and said, something that you're doing is helping my spouse with their memory because they have Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or early onset neurodegenerative disease, fill in the blank. And their memory was coming back to them, almost reversing that disorder, which seemed to be irreversible. But exercise changed the course of it. Now, I'm not going to say that exercise completely cured them of those diseases. I don't want to speak too abruptly and get too many hopes up. But this is very strong anecdotal evidence mixing with the fact that your muscles are an endocrine gland and your myofascial system is an intelligent system, probably kind of like mycelium in the ground, intelligent, communicating between all other systems in nature. Your myofascial system could be the mycelial network of the body because your roots are definitely your intestines that go into the earth. You feed it the earth and then you excrete that earth, and that earth is good for fertilizer for the actual earth. That's because we are a fractal of the earth. We're just inverted. We're turned inside. We're not showing all our organs and looking through the system out here. So the interesting thing about your body as being a remote control to the universe, not just the Akash, but also the intelligence of Mother Nature, cannot be overstated enough. So it's extremely important that we look deeper into the intelligence of the body, not just for mental health, but also for memory and learning and reversing some of the neurodegenerative diseases that are out there, and likely a lot more. Because as you should know, that movement is at the core of every spiritual discipline. Every spiritual discipline, even in Christianity, but also yoga, 
Tai Chi, Qigong, um, Falun Gong, all the martial arts, the Indian ghost dance, the white buffalo dance, the, the Mongolian reindeer dances, all these different ways of using our bodies are probably even more intelligent than we understand. We go back and we look at it and we say, oh, what, you know, they're just dancing around because it's part of their superstition. But we don't even understand our own muscles. We don't even understand our own myofascial system. So perhaps it's not just exercise per se. It's not just exercise in nature per se. But it might be the actual sequence of movements that we do that triggers different cascades of neurochemicals and hormones in the body over time to create an experience that cannot be explained by just these scientific mechanisms alone. So to close this out, I know that I normally just give you a lot of things to think about, but I want to talk about some exercises that can actually help you. I was um, suggested by one of the executive producers to give more exercises, and it's definitely something I intend to do more regularly. The exercises that I want to show you right now are things that I don't have to stand up for. And I believe this is going to be um, better understood deeper into the future. But I think the deeper the muscles that we activate, the more central to our purpose and our aliveness we can actually touch. The, the, the more we can get towards the inner corset of the muscles around the spinal column specifically, the better that we can actually access probably some of the deeper molecules that have more to do with um, our spirituality, not being dissociated from our material life, but actually being more rooted in it. And this is one of the purposes of yoga. Now, in yoga, especially in kundalini yoga, a lot of the exercises have to do with, let's say if you sit and you, this is called the Sufi grind, you're moving your spine, think of your spine, you're just taking your stomach and moving it like this, kind of drilling it like that. And you're doing it, exhaling on the, on the back, inhaling forward and the importance of that is you're just loosening up the musculature and you're also warming it up as well as the myofascial connectors all around the spinal column this yoga if we were to study it a little bit more in the same way that we're studying let's say the muscles as endocrine organs we'll better understand what's actually being released into the system but i believe one of the best things you can do this is called a kegel exercise you might have heard of that because it was starting to be joked about when porn stars were using these Kegels to help them, well, let's say, give a longer money shot, if you will. If you don't understand me, I'm not going to explain. The way to do these Kegels, though, and the purpose of doing them is actually a little bit more central to spirituality than it is to pornography. The way to do it is by sucking in the sexual organs and others say that, you know, when you're trying to, when you have to go to the bathroom and you're trying to hold it in and you squeeze down there, what that does is that squeezes the base of the spine and around the coccyx and it pushes all the cerebral spinal fluid up towards the top of the brain uh, or into the epiphysis, into the brain stem, I should say. 
And so with this breathing technique, when you do the Sufi grind and then you end, let's say, five minutes of doing the Sufi grind, breathing as you're going forward in and breathing out as you're going back, and then eventually when you've done that enough, you stop, you come back to center and you do your Kegel, you suck in the sexual organs, you bring the cerebrospinal fluid now up to the brainstem. The reason why you do the exercise first is because you're not just preparing the tissues, but you're actually already releasing some molecules into the cerebrospinal fluid and that pushes it up to the brainstem. This is what I believe is actually turning on the wick at the top of the candle, which is the pituitary and pineal complex that sits next to your sphenoid bone, and that enlivens the entire brainstem. And as it does that, the molecules that are released not just have neurogenesis properties, meaning it creates new brain cells. It has neuroplastic um, properties, meaning it can restructure and remodel the brain. Remember I said at the beginning, that's a big part of this, remodeling the brain through active movement of the body. The more intelligent the movement, the more specific you're going to get the uh, modulation of the immune system, the orchestra and cascades of the chemicals, and the influence and impact on your mental, emotional, and physiological health. And as you do this, yoga is also very fond of saying, as well as Tai Chi and Qigong, smile. If it's very, very difficult, smile. So I have shown you that when you put your arms above your head for two minutes, that increases testosterone, which makes you feel like you are allowed to take up your allotted space and you're allowed to speak your mind. The way to use your voice is confidently. Those two things combined that is very, very powerful. So this is a very powerful thing when combined with allowing it to move you to speak and use your voice the way that you know you should. Now, yoga has this move. You can't see my thumbs, but you give the thumbs up and then roll your shoulders. And as you're doing this, you if you do this for, let's say, two to three minutes, some do it for five minutes. Not only are you going to get what Amy called, Amy Cuddy called a increase in testosterone and a decrease in cortisol being the victory pose um, modulation of your mental well-being, but what you're going to get is a loosening of all the musculature around the neck and the in between the uh, traps and the scapula in your back. Why is that part important? Well, it's all along your spine. Your spine is very, very integrated with your spiritual and intelligent properties. This spot right around the neck is what starts to become the most atrophied and the most compromised because most of us are on our phones and now more so than desktop computers, we are on our laptops which is causing all these ergonomic issues where even on our laptops, unless we're up here with our hands while we're looking at the screen, which we're normally not, our hands are usually down here, now we're looking down. And just that tiny little head tilt is causing, I think, another 10 to 20 pounds of pressure on the back of your neck. What that's doing is that's causing for an adhesion and a constriction of the ability for that cerebrospinal fluid to get up to the epiphysis. So even if you're doing yoga, 
even if you're doing it daily, but you're also sitting in front of a computer screen and not strengthening these muscles behind here, you're actually not going to get all the benefits. So you need to do some of these exercises that unfurl you, unfold you from the sitting pose. These are just a couple exercises that I wanted to share with you, as well as the one with picking things up with your toes. If you go throughout your day and you pick up things that are left lying on the ground, your laundry, whatever, with your toes, and you throw them up in the air and you catch it and you throw them into the basket and you dance around with music, this is close enough to combining what you could call a ritualized ceremony with the music, which moves you on an emotional and psychosomatic level, as well as triggering the tiny tactile muscles through your toes, through the talus, which is the ankle bone, all the way up to the brain, turning on your neurology, and on top of that, you are completing chores and tasks while doing it. This is how biohackers say you must stack your tasks so you have more time in the day, when really what you're doing is you're just combining more things, which liberates more time of your day. And when you do this, you'll start to understand that life itself is a chore that we must rise to the occasion of. We have to move and challenge ourselves. If we're not moving, if we have too much of a sedentary lifestyle, you're actually not literally engaging with life. You're engaging with mind, which is sometimes too far outside of space-time for you to actually be perfectly well-rounded and embedded in this reality. I hope you all can take this to heart. I hope you all have um, an amazing 2023 by introducing some of these exercises into your daily life so you can get the mental and emotional and just physiological benefits of exercise and intelligent movement. With that being said, I love you all, and I'll catch you all next time on The Awakening Protocols.